welcome to the Remote Work Drive podcast with your host, Jessica Malnick. Stay tuned to learn how to manage remote teams that are effective, collaborative, and happy. Hey there, everyone. My name is John Doherty. I am the founder of Credo and Editor Ninja. I'm a serial entrepreneur based in Denver, Colorado. I love building two-sided businesses. I'm a digital marketer by trade, and I am super, super stoked to be here today with Jessica. Awesome. Thanks so much for coming on the podcast, on the Remote Work Tribe podcast, John. Can just dive right in. Tell me the most exciting thing that you're up to these days. Most exciting thing I'm up to these days. Well, there's two really exciting things. One at each company. I mean, A, just I'm super excited about Editor Ninja. We do uh, basically copy editing and, and proofreading services for content agencies, you know, producing blog posts and marketing content for clients and also in-house teams um, at brands that are producing content basically to help them grow their business. Um, that That's just a super fun, like it's early stage business. It feels like I've done it before because I'm building it very similar, similarly to how I built Credo back in 2015, 16, 17, right after I got laid off from my last job. Um, and it's just, it's just exciting and fun and figuring new things out and it feels chaotic, but it just has an energy behind it that I haven't felt in quite a while. Um, and then on the Credo side at Credo, we help brands find the right digital agency to work with. So we've been in the digital marketing space for a long time. That's my background, but we're actually in the middle of launching um, the web development vertical as well. So helping brands that are looking for an agency to help them redo their website on WordPress or replatform from Magento to Shopify, that sort of thing. Um, we are like right in the middle of, of launching that and really pushing that out. So I'm super excited about that because just from an entrepreneurial perspective, it's going to expand our market and expand the impact, uh, you know, that we're going to be able to have um, with helping companies, you know, get the right uh, providers in place to help them execute on the strategies they need to execute on in order to grow. That is so awesome. And I can't, from personal experience, I can't tell you how much it's needed to be able to find really good WordPress developers and WordPress agencies, because I've struggled with that originally in a couple of jobs that I had. And even now with my own business, with finding good like WordPress developers is so freaking hard. It is. It is. Yeah. So it's, uh, you know, we, we very much concentrate on, on agencies, not solo people. Do I have some good like connections for solo people if anyone uh, anyone wants them or you want them Jessica happy to, to talk about that yeah it is you know it's something that we get asked for a lot it's something that I've just not we've not done like uh, our, our mutual friend Chris Lemma who we were just talking about <laughs> offline told me literally in 2017 I, I met him in uh in San Diego um, he was living in San Diego and I was there on a trip and I remember sitting at this like uh, kind of diner and Chris was like, you know what Credo needs to do? And I'm like, what is that, Chris? And he goes, Credo needs to also connect uh, businesses with uh, development agencies and design agencies because everyone that needs marketing also needs those. And everyone that needs those also needs marketing. And I'm like, that's a great idea. And so five years later, we're finally doing it. <laughs> so I definitely like, there's definitely a need for it and it's the right time in the business to do it. Um, so I'm, I'm stoked about it. It's been a lot of fun kind of building it out and getting the team on board and really like, you know, I mentioned energy with Editor Ninja, like there's an energy with Credo as well around, you know, launching that, like the team, the team is stoked and, and on board and we're, you know, marching towards it as fast as we can. Yeah, that sounds so exciting. And you've done something that I feel like a lot of founders would be totally freaked out by and or wouldn't do, which is like successfully get and have two companies running simultaneously off the ground. How do you think about and manage and kind of structure your days so that, you know, you're both driving, you know, in Editor Ninja and Create at the same time. Yeah. So a lot of people are 
surprised when I tell them that I basically work nine to four thirty every. Uh, I work nine to four thirty Monday through Thursday. It's basically what I work, and I run two companies. Um, I do work uh, mornings a couple of Fridays a month. Uh, my wife has a four day work week though, and we have a. We live in Denver, but we have a place up in the mountains, and so we go up there, you know, a lot. We're I'm a mountain biker, and we ski. We we're skiers and just love being outdoors. So I try to take a lot of time to recharge. And honestly, Jessica, I think that's part of my, like, part of my secret is like, I have plenty of like white space in my life um, to, to really think about things. And like, you know, an idea will pop up when I'm sitting on the couch, you know, on Saturday evening, watching stranger things with my wife with a glass of bourbon in my hand. I'm like, well, that's a great idea for a blog post. So I'll whip out notion. And like, I draft most of my blog posts on my phone when I'm sitting on the couch with something on the TV and a glass of bourbon, you know, in my hand. Um, so, you know, I, I think that's, that's part of it. Um, but also uh, I just very tightly manage my calendar. So the way I, I run two companies is um, well, first of all, I had one company Credo that uh, grew well, that has grown well, that was stable, have a team mostly running that though. I, I am working to get kind of a day-to-day -day, like operator in place uh, to really like take over some of the day-to-day -day stuff that I've been doing um, for a long time that honestly, I'm not great at. Um, so rule number one is hire people better than people who are better than you at things that you hate doing, right. But still need to be done. So that's rule number one for me. Um, but the way I manage my calendar is Mondays are focused on credo internally on credo. So that's when we do team meetings. Um, I do one-on-ones with my full-time people catch up with contractors, et cetera, do whatever like deep work needs to be done Monday afternoons. Tuesdays are focused on external stuff. So it's sales calls and business development calls and partner calls and that sort of stuff for Credo mainly. Um, I do sometimes have editor ninja, uh, like sales calls and demos on Tuesdays. Wednesdays, I shift my focus more towards editor ninja. So I'm not, not working on Credo, but I'm mainly focused on editor ninja on Wednesdays. Um, it's internal stuff. Internal and external stuff, honestly, that, that service still feels so new. We're like mid to high four figures uh, monthly at this point. Um, all that since January um, that it, I, a lot of things just need to be done. So I'm just doing what needs to be done to be totally honest with you. But like my focus is on editor ninja those days. It's like 80, 20. If Monday is hundred percent credo, Tuesday is 80% credo, 20% editor ninja, flip that for Wednesday. It's 80% editor ninja, 20% credo. And then Thursday I do side projects. Like I co-host a podcast. I'll do some consulting, that kind of thing. Um, but I'm also working on uh, mainly editor ninja, though some credo stuff as is needing to be done more. So just like pulling strings and directing people and projects. And then Fridays, if I work it, it's basically whatever has come up is unfinished from the week on whichever company. I do like often after my, I have a three-year-old and after my daughter goes to bed, I will uh, often hop back on my computer and write some con write some content or that's when I'm able to like focus on building out software features for editor ninja to facilitate, you know, the editing services that we deliver. Um, but that's kind of how I break up my days and have made it, have made it work. And like, to be totally honest with you, Jessica, my life is pretty low stress. Like, even though I'm running two companies and they're both growing and I have about 15 people, you know, combination of full-time and contractors that I employ and kind of work with every single week, my life is pretty low stress. That's like, obviously speaks to a testament of just how organized and how like focused and structured your processes have been to get to that point. And I can only imagine that like you have, like to your point, you have to have like a great team in place to be able to do that. Can you maybe speak a little bit to like your team structure and how you think about hiring and like bringing people on to fill key roles within both Credo and now Editor Ninja as well? Uh, I would love to, Jessica. This is like, as I was telling you offline, like this is, 
I, I honestly feel like hiring is one of my superpowers, especially in the bootstrapping world. There are so many solo people that are just completely opposed to hiring anyone to do anything. And I actually think we are doing ourselves like, and, and I was there, right? Like I'm, I'm not blameless. I was there for quite a while, but I think, I think that holds a lot of bootstrappers back. Um, it holds us back. We're doing ourselves a disservice because we are doing things that we hate doing. Like if something needs to be done, well, I'll get into that in a second. It, it hurts us because we're doing things that we hate doing and that we're also probably not great at. And then we're also not empowering people who love doing those things that we hate to do those things and letting them take it off of us. Right. Like I think a lot of, uh, especially like remote worker, remote, like entrepreneurs and solo founders and that kind of thing, we're unhappy and we're stressed. And I was unhappy and stressed when I was doing a ton of things that I just was not good at that. I just did not enjoy. And I have really leaned into, I am a like future looking founder. I used to say visionary, but I hate calling myself a visionary. I'm a future looking founder. I operate 12 to 18 months in the future. That's where my brain is always. And I need help. I need people around me that can help me get there, right? That can do the day-to-day -day stuff that really enjoy the like just operations of the business and keeping the wheels on the bus because I'm like, yo, this bus is becoming an airplane in 12 to 18 months. I'm like, let's get there, right? I need the people that are like, all right, cool. This is how we get there. But so, you know, the way I think about hiring is uh, before you even hire, you need to go through, a, through two exercises, Jessica. One is uh, doing a time audit. And the second one is doing, uh, and the second one comes out of the time audit. So time audit, pull up a spreadsheet, do Monday through Friday, start uh, the time at when, start, start basically the time at like 8 a.m. Do, uh, and then break it down, you know, cells going down the first column into 30 minutes, 30 minute chunks. For that week, every 30 minutes, write, put, put in the next cell over what it is that you are doing. At the end of the week, look back and say, okay, what am I doing that does not need to be done at all? It is not going to move the needle on the business. It is a waste of time. All right, stop doing that. What are the things that have to be done that I'm spending a lot of time on that I do not like doing? Those are the first things you find someone to do. Start off with someone in a fractional capacity. It's a freelancer. It's a part-time person, something like that, but hire someone to do that, right? So it takes a lot of your time. You're not great at it and you don't enjoy it. And then the third part is what are the things that I am doing that I am great at that I enjoy doing, right? So now you're not, you're not outsourcing things that don't need to be done right at all. That would be dumb. So we're not just not doing that, but you are outsourcing and hiring people for things that you hate doing that do need to be done that are instrumental to the business. And then you are left with the things that you love doing that you are great at. And then repeat that process every three to six months. <laughs> and that's how you grow a business. So that's, that's how you hire people. So that's how I think about it overall. I mean, I have some tricks for like, a process for how, uh, how we hire, like, you know, we've, we use, uh, we use breezy as our applicant tracking system. I promote, I spend about 500 bucks on every job opening to promote it to, um, you know, the main, like we work remotely and that kind of thing. Also go to some niche job boards, like uh, career Contessa, which is women in tech. Uh, there's one specifically focused on BIPOC, uh, candidates. And so I, I very much care. We very much care about diversity, racial, uh, gender, et cetera, um, diversity at my companies. And so, um, you know, we do that and then basically have some like a survey, have some survey questions with kind of a, a tripwire question, which is basically like, so to give you an example, I, I have a full-time uh, assistant, Sophia. Um, she's actually like our, we just changed her title to admin because she just does a lot more like ops and admin stuff, but she still supports me personally. And uh 
in, in that one, for example, uh, no, for that role, I knew that I needed someone who was just extremely organized, right? And it like they weren't going to come and ask me questions that they could find the answer to on their own. So we have a question in in that uh, when I was hiring for this role, we had a question that it was, "How experienced are you with Trello?" Right, Trello, the project management tool. My wife worked there for four and a half years, and the the answers were like, "I love it and use it all the time. Uh, it's fine, but I prefer something else." I've heard of it. Uh, I've heard of it, but I haven't used it. And then the final one was what is Trello? And anyone that said that marked what is Trello was immediately disqualified because they couldn't be bothered to go and literally Google Trello and find out what it is. So that, that's, that's one of my, one of my tricks there, but uh, for our, our hiring process, but, uh, and then we go on and you know, I, I'll do like, a, I'll have someone else actually at the company do an interview, like a video interview with them. And then the ones that are good, then get passed along to me to basically do a 30 to 60 minute, you know, basically if someone gets to me, we're probably going to hire them. I just need to give like sign off on it. Right. Um, so, but th that's kind of how I think about like figuring out the tasks that need to be done prioritizing the tasks that need to be done, not hiring for things that don't need to be done. And then, uh, you know, kind of how we go about, you know, kind of sourcing candidates and, and making decisions about hiring. Okay, I have so many follow-up questions to what you just shared there. <laughs> Great. The first one being, and this is just more of a personal aside, as someone who went off on their own doing consulting, and it was the classic, I guess you could say, technician who started a business from like, you know, aka the E-Myth Revisited yep. book. Love it. Um, My favorite And I started book. mine back in the very end of 2018. Um, okay. And I'd been working remotely before, and then obviously before the pandemic, like, Remote work was a thing, but it wasn't nearly as mainstream as it is today. Sure. And in that first year, whenever I needed to find a freelancer to do something like any sort of task, it was extremely easy at that point in time. It was about just felt really easy. And since about 2021, um, since last year, and I definitely myself for sure. And I feel like I've had a lot of conversations offline with a lot of other founders who've been in the same boat. Hiring has gotten a mm. lot more competitive because remote is not nearly as much of a competitive advantage as it used mm. to be. Have you seen that at all? And if so, what were some of the things that you did to kind of adjust for that? I, to be totally honest, Jessica, I have not seen that. And I don't know why. Yeah, I, I really don't know why. I think, you know, part of it is probably that you know, there are a lot of people, well, entrepreneurship is hard, right? And it's mm -hmm. scary. And it's scary to take, even if you've like built towards doing it, right? And it's a step, not a leap, right? Like I, I am, I'm a risk adverse entrepreneur, Jessica. I am extremely risk adverse. So like you tell me to jump off, you give me a bunch of things and, you know, a bunch of materials and tell me to jump off a cliff and build an airplane on the way down. Some people are going to be like, great. And off they go. I'm going to be like, you got to be kidding me. I'm going to build this glider right here. And then I'm going to, you know, get, go off the cliff with it and know that I'm going to be able to glide down. That's how I operate. Um, I started working for myself in 2015. Cause I got, I got fired. I got laid off from my last job. Um, not for performance. So like laid off is, is a better term than fired, but like I no longer had a job. Um, and so that was my, like, that was my push out, out of the nest. And I had a three month runway from my severance from my last job. And I picked up some SEO consulting and made it work. But I think a lot of people are scared to do that. And so with the pandemic, I mean, just a lot of people, if we we're all at, all at home and not distracting ourselves with other things. And a lot of people just realized they wanted to do something different. Um, and so like, I think that, so it seems like there are a lot more people out there who are 
kind of working on their own and honestly, like needing help with that and needing clients. And, you know, they're in places like, you know, we're in uh, the microconf Slack. I don't know if you're in super path, but like content marketers, like 10,000 plus content marketers in there. A lot of people looking for clients, offering their services, like that sort of thing. Like to me, I actually see a glut, like a, an excess of people available to hire. And it comes down to hiring the right people and having a, a good solid process around hiring the right people empowering the right people, keeping the right people around, getting the wrong people off the bus. Like that to me is the bigger, is the bigger challenge there. And so, you know, I, I actually think it's around like, um, like to, to hire the right people. It's really that um, exercise I talked about, about the like, uh, what are the things that you're doing that you hate doing, but need to be done and then go find those people. Don't try to hire someone just like yourself, hire the people Hire people to do the things that you hate doing that are keeping you from doing the things that you are best at that your clients are actually paying you for, right? So for example, Editor Ninja, we do copy editing, we do content editing, copy editing, appropriating services for agencies. A lot of agencies, they get paid. How, how do content agencies make money, Jessica? Uh, by, selling their by selling their time and selling their services to get output. Um, either selling get delivering outputs or results. That's right. But ultimately they are selling content creation, right? Mm -hmm. There are a lot of agencies out there that have, and I know this because I have worked with over 350 agencies over the last seven years with Credo and now like 15 or 20 at Editor Ninja, a lot of content agencies have writers editing content by other writers. They could, if, they are, if a writer is spending 10 hours a week editing content written by other writers, that is 10 hours a week, 40 hours a month that they're not able to spend writing content, which is what the agency is ultimately getting paid for, right? So that agency should outsource, they should either hire an in-house editor, right? That it is their whole job to edit, or they should use a service like Editor Ninja because by paying us $500 a month, they clear, you know, 500 uh, bucks every, every four weeks to edit, you know, 20,000, like, you know, eight to 12 blog posts a, a month on average they are literally clearing up 40 hours of time that they can sell to clients to write new content, right? And if the average blog post takes five hours to write, let's say that's probably short, right? Uh, but say it takes five hours, that is eight blog posts. And if you charge 300 bucks, 500 bucks a blog post, that's, that's $4,000 on revenue that they are missing out on by not hiring our service to edit for them, right? And people don't think about it that way. You spending time, like you're a content creator, you get paid to write content for clients. You spending five hours a month doing payroll or hiring or something like that, that is five, That is a, an additional blog post that or the additional piece of content that you're not able to create for a client, right? Those are the trade-offs that we're making that we don't realize that we're making. And once we realize that we're making them, we stop making them. And we start hiring people to do the things that that basically need to be done, but aren't driving the business forward. That makes so much sense. Um, and going back to something you said a little bit earlier about when you brought on Sophia, your um, assistant, or I think might be like ad ops manager type of role. Um, yep. I know this is something that like, you know, a lot of founders in particular struggle with, you know, figuring out when to bring on that kind of executive assistant 
or that ops person within the team and not only when to bring them on, but also how do you onboard somebody and basically in that capacity when they are going to be working so extremely, probably so extremely closely with you and on yep. tasks that maybe you haven't even thought to delegate yet. Like, can you maybe walk through what that onboarding process was like when you onboarded so Sophia? Yeah, for sure. So Sophia is my first full-time uh, assistant slash admin. So I, I, I mean, this is probably the microconf crowd, right? I stair-stepped my way into it, right? Shout out to Rob. Started off with, uh, I started using fancyhands.com, 25, 30 bucks a month, basically gets you five or something requests a month, phone calls, that kind of thing. So I started building that muscle for delegating stuff, right? It was literally like, I need to take, my car needs this repair. Fancy hands. Can you call this, uh, you know, this German car, like auto repair shop at this number and book me an appointment for this Friday or next Friday, just started doing that. and was like, what? And eventually I'm like, what else can I outsource? Right. What else can I delegate? This is awesome. And so, you know, I, I did that and then, uh, I basically needed like a, a fuller touch. And so then I got um, actually a dedicated virtual assistant through fancy hands. It was like a thousand dollars a month, worked with them and basically learned what it was like to, you know, basically get people, you know, logging in as me and handling paying bills and like that sort of stuff. I did, I obviously didn't give them like my credit card number from the off, right. There was like a vault that they like could access it through there. And, you know, I had to like approve the spend before it could happen and et cetera, et cetera. But like, that was the start, but I built that delegation muscle. From there, I hired Rose um, and she was 20 to 30 hours a week remote. She's based up in uh, Vancouver, British Columbia. I'm in Colorado. And um, basically with Rose, I did a couple of things. Um, number one, I, because she was working with us so much and she was in school. So, uh, you know, she only she had 20, 30, she didn't like acting school. So she had like 20, 30 hours a week to work uh, with me. Basically, I got her, uh, we got on the front, uh, frontapp.com, which is like a shared inbox thing. So I delegated my inbox to her, Jessica. I don't manage my own email inbox. I haven't managed my own email inbox in almost two years. Um, and basically like, you know, we, we built a system for like, like Sophia or Rose at the time processes my inbox would process my inbox, delete anything that I just didn't need to see, right? Like promotional stuff, guest post, spammy guest post pitches, like that kind of thing. They just get rid of that stuff. If they're like, John just doesn't need to see this is wasting his time. Like basically like they are, they are annoyed when someone is annoying me which is the kind of person you want for an assistant, right? Like they protect me, they protect my time. Uh, Sophia protects my time. Anything that they had, that that they could just reply to scheduling or something like that. Like for example, this podcast, Sophia replied to you. I had told her I wasn't doing anything external, but I saw this one. I'm like, no, let's go back to Jessica. I want to do this because I like Jessica. So, you know, Sophia handled that. Um, and then things that I need to handle or that they're not sure about, they'll basically star or put with a certain tag and that becomes my inbox. So it's super high signal. So I log in my inbox two to three times a day and handle things. That's it. And then also the, the real linchpin with, uh, with them getting on, uh, with uh, an assistant is, um, so I had Rose do this. You could even have a virtual assistant to this Rose created a guide to John. It is, um, how to process my inbox. It is how to, uh, manage my calendar. They both, they manage, uh, they've both managed my calendar for years now, my work calendar and my personal calendar. But it's also things like John travels a lot. He uses, he likes to, he prefers to fly on United because Denver is a United hub. John has status on United. He has a United credit card. He prefers to sit in an aisle seat 
If a flight is over two hours and there is an upgrade to business class for less than a hundred dollars, do it. Don't ask him about it. Just do it. That sort of thing. Just like my preferences. So like, you know, if, if Sophia left, um, which like, if Sophia told me she was resigning, I would do everything I could to keep her <laughs> to be totally honest with you. But if she was like, I'm out, basically she, I could, we could then take that doc and hand it to the new assistant and they would have basically everything they need to know about me. Cause this is a document that's been being built about me and my like idiosyncrasies and kind of how to do things for me for the last two years. Yeah. That sounds like such a smart approach about like basically almost having like a manual to like what, you know, is the best way to like work together. And along the same lines, how do you kind of structure like collaborations? Are you much more like a meeting focused or do you kind of rely on async comms and how and what approach that you have? How does that kind of tie into the types of people that you hire and bring on your team? Yeah, so um, my kind of like cadence for managing people is I do like Zoom calls. Um, to basically get everyone on the same page. I do think even in a remote world, we need to see, it's good to see people's faces. I won't say we need to, but like, I like to see people's faces. Let me put it that way. So I hire people that like are similar. So all my one-on-ones are Zoom calls um, every week. Anything for projects, we basically like any big project going on, I try to do like a weekly cadence. We have like a 30 minute kind of status, like check-in call, make sure everyone is clear on what they need to get done. Um, and then other than that, it's async, right? Like I will close down email and Slack for hours at a time just to get stuff done. I'll come back, see what's needed. My team all has my cell phone number. If something is like an emergency, they know that they can text me. Jessica, I've run my companies for four years that way. And I've never gotten a text, never, ever like there is nothing going on at my companies that cannot wait for three to four hours, even a business day. So that's, that's basically how we, how we work. You know, we're active on Slack and, um, you know, within our, within the software that we built, that I built at both companies, um, you know, that kind of manages like the workflow and everything. But uh, so yeah, status check-in meetings on Zoom. I like seeing people's faces. We all need to be on the same page and keep aligned with where the company is going and what we're working on. But otherwise, it's all async in Slack. Yeah, that makes so much sense. And like, there's very few, unless you are like a brain surgeon or basically holding like the nuclear power codes sort of thing. Mm -hmm. There are very few like um, true emergencies. Along the same lines, when you were talking about how you kind of set up and structure like Zoom calls, can you maybe speak to kind of the structure that you use for your one-on-ones with your team? Yeah. Um, Honestly, we don't have a super tight um, kind of structure to it. Like I like to use those times to a couple of things. One is just say, just connect. How are things going? Right. We do a Monday morning. So like, you know, in, in our, in our full team meeting, which is at 10 o'clock every Monday, basically we have like full team meeting 10 to 10 30, everyone, like all full-time people. So it's at Credo, it's me, Emily and Sophia. So this is just Credo. We don't do this at editor, editor Ninja yet. Um, though Sophia works with me over there and she and I will often use some of our one-on-one Credo time to talk about Editor Ninja stuff. But like we do 10 to 10.30 for Credo, um, everyone on video. And basically it's like, give an update. The, the, the format is like, give an update of what, uh, you know, wins from last week, personal and, and work. You know, doesn't have to be both. Like you give just a personal win or just a work win, but usually we each give a couple of you know both personal and uh, and professional wins. Then we go through uh, the numbers from the previous week, talk about how we're doing month to date, talk about if we need to shift anything up. We talk about new things being built out in the product or things that have been deployed that people have been waiting on. We talk about if there's any major fires and support. 
Emily talks about the like uh, kind of customer success and like lead flow, et cetera, side. Sophia talks about like anything operationally going on, that kind of thing. And then we go back up the ladder um, and talk to our rocks because we run uh, EOS from Traction, um, talk about our rocks and the main things that we're working on, where we're blocked, where we need help or what's going well. And then I roll into a one-on-one -on -one with Sophia and basically it's like more catch up. Um, you know, how are things going? What, uh, what does my week look like? What does she need from me? What do I need from her? Any sort of feedback either way. And then I roll into a one-on-one -on -one with Emily and basically same, same sort of thing. Um, though Emily and I will often get deeper into like kind of ongoing projects and like think like kind of problems that are bigger that we're thinking through and trying to solve together. But yeah, so basically it's like connect personally, what's going on? Are we on the same page? What do you need help on? What can I help you out on? What do I need help from you on? And then like any sort of like, you know, feedback or just like, you know, future planning and talking about projects that, you know, aren't, aren't quite there yet. Um, so that's basically what my one-on-ones look like and what my like Monday morning, like meeting schedule looks like at Credo where it's more formalized. Yeah, it makes a ton of sense. And you're like the, I've lost count of the number of people who I've had on the podcast who have mentioned traction as the way that they kind of operate their companies. Um, it's so can good. You, oh, can you speak a little bit more to how you landed on traction and how you think about the rocks that you set for each quarter? Yeah, I can. Sorry, my dog is barking. I was closing my door. Um, <laughs> we, uh, yeah, so how we set rocks um, for each quarter. So, I mean, EOS is a full like system, like annual, you know, system. So start of the year, um, we do annual planning. Where are we, how'd last year go? Where are we now? Where do we want to be end of the year, end of this coming year? What, and then basically from there, what do we need to do to get there? What are the big projects we're going to be working on? And, uh, and then, you know, we will do, you know, uh, quarter by quarter planning. Um, and basically like, uh, you know, what numbers do we want to hit? Do we need to hit by end of the quarter to be on track for the year? What are the big projects that we're working on? And basically like they say in EOS, you need, uh, like basically each person should own about three things, two to four things, but no more than four, three is kind of the optimal number. That doesn't mean they are doing it all. It means they're responsible for it getting done. So hiring the people, wrangling the people, getting the budget, all that sort of stuff. And so we, we do that. Um, and basically uh, with EOS, they say, if you accomplish 70 to 80% of your rocks, then you're doing well. If you accomplish fewer than that, then you need to do a better job of planning and specking stuff out. If you accomplish everything, then you need to be, then you need to be more ambitious. And then basically we check in every week. How's everyone doing? And then, you know, um, you know, how, how the previous week go, what are you working on this week? According to your rocks, we actually have like a stoplight system, like green did a ton of work on it. Yellow did some work and red didn't make any progress. And then once it's all done, um, we kind of like dark green it out that like this one is completed, um, for the, for the quarter. And then we also, we check in on it monthly, but we, but we do quarterly planning and kind of reset every quarter. Uh, for the rocks that you have, if you've noticed in a couple of weeks, for a few weeks now, you know, there's, it's constantly on red. Are there things that you kind of look to you or think about to figure out, you know, how to make more progress on that rock? Uh, yes and no. Um, I will, I mean, we, this stoplight system is available to everyone at the company to see and kind of see who is doing what with which rocks, like over time. And so like, if it's been red for quite a while, then basically we're just like, Hey, what's going on here? Right? Like, why is this not being prioritized? Um, and sometimes it's, Oh, this other rock, which is strategically more important because like our model has told us that it is going to go into grow the company by 50%. 
as opposed to this one, which will grow it by 5%, right? So I'm going to focus on the one that's going to grow us by 50%. Fair enough, right? <laughs> so then we'll even talk about like, well, should this even be a rock, right? Or should we just say like, you know what? Actually, this other thing is way more strategically important and it's a bigger lift than we thought. And so actually like, let's just say we're not going to do this rock this quarter. Like I, I have one of those right now. I, there is one rocket credo that I said I was going to do in Q3. I got it about 85% of the way there. And then something shifted in the business and in the economy. And I was like, holy crap, I need to shift focus. And so honestly, Jessica, I just put red through the rest of the quarter for that one. Cause I'm just not, it's just not a priority for me this, this quarter. And that is going to be part of that, like 20 to 25% that we just don't get done because priorities change. And this other one is more strategically important. So we do ask, you know, we do talk about it. Basically it's like, okay, this thing's been red for a while. What's going on. Do we actually need to be working on it? Is it being worked on because something else is, you know, strategically more important or is something that is less strategically important being worked on instead of this, in which case we need to shift focus. So, you know, this is why we do it. What This is why we review progress weekly, because if we're not, a month could go by and I'm like, wow, you spent the last month working on something that is not important at all. That's going to grow us by 2% instead of 50%. Like that is a strategic mistake, you know? So by talking about it weekly and just reviewing it and it's quick, right? Um, and there's there's no like, you know, guilt or, or finger pointing or anything like that. It's, it's a discussion, right? Because I don't want to get to that. Like you spent the last month doing what? <laughs> you know, sorts of conversations. By reviewing weekly, those conversations don't come up. Yeah, that's such a good point um, of like, you know, making sure that you are tracking your progress on a weekly basis to be able to see, you know, okay, is this still even important? I could talk about traction for a while, but I also um, want to respect your time um, and kind of lead into some lightning round questions that I always ask at the end of these episodes. If you had to write a book tomorrow, what would you write it about? Ooh, great question. Uh, so I started on a book a while ago called The Agency Advantage, um, basically talking about hiring and why working with and hiring agencies is actually, I believe, a cheat code to growing a company, especially early on. Once you get further on and you're more mature and you have bigger headcount, et cetera, like full-time people can move the needle more usually. But um, I would write it about like, how do you uh, decide what to outsource. How do you find the people? How do you hire them? How do you empower them? Um, and how does that make sense? Um, you know, within your business's vision. Yeah, love it. And if you could have coffee with any historical figure, who would you choose and why? Wow, any historical uh, figure. Uh, I would. So I would. So by historical figure, you mean someone that has lived in the past? Does it have to yeah. be someone famous? Uh, I purposely leave it open-ended as long as it's great. someone who's been in the past. So it would actually be my great grandfather. Um, I am named after him. Uh, he was a, uh, he was, a uh, what was he? He was, a like a, a physicist or an electrician. He was like a, he was an electrician, like an, an electrics, uh, expert. He died, he died in like 1920 something. So like super early days, um, you know, of electricity. Um, and he was an expert in that. Um, and he also, um, so my grandfather was born in Cuba in 1908. My grandfather was a, was a carpenter as well as a hobby. And my parents actually still have some like Cuban mahogany, like beds and chests and that sort of stuff that my, that my great grandfather made. 
um, like but with his with his hands and like stuff that I will uh, inherit someday. Um, and so I'd, I'd love to go back and just like talk to him. I think he, he seems like he was a fascinating individual. That is so, so interesting. Like I would be so fascinated to see like what it would have been like to like be an electrician when electricity was first like rolling out to everyone. Right? <laughs> it's fascinating. I'm like, what? Okay. Um, so yeah, I, I think it'd be, he'd be super cool to, to sit down and have coffee with. Yeah, that's awesome. So um, it's been really great chatting with you, John. Where can listeners find you online? Uh, so the best place to converse with me is on Twitter. I'm at Doherty JF, D-O-H-E-R-T-Y-J-F. Um, I'm on there quite a bit. Um, and my two companies are Credo, which is getcredo.com and editor, editor ninja, which is editor ninja.com. Um, and, uh, that's, that's kind of where you can find what I'm working on. And then Twitter is where we can chat. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. You're welcome. Thanks for having me on Jessica. Thank you for listening to the Remote Work Drive podcast. Please visit our site, theremoteworkdrive.com, to learn more about remote work trends and insights.